injury returning strategy, waiver wire, pitcher preview, and the whole gamut of injuries with Ruvain. Plus, we'll even have some movie trivia later on in the show. Stick around, because the Beat the Shift podcast is coming up next. And welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangraphs. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always is Ruvain Guy. How are you, Ruvain? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Mets are king of New York City, sweeping the Yankees. Did you catch any of those games? I think I saw almost every play of every game, yes. For, for yeah. some reason. I don't, know, I don't know why, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Um, hey, we, uh, it's nice to be on top for uh, even a short amount. And uh, if you're a Yankee fan, uh, hey, listen, well, let us have this for once. Um, great, just great stuff. And the Mets still on top of the division, three-game lead over the Braves. Uh, Mets have about a 10-game lead over the wild card. So, you know, pretty good uh, odds of making the playoffs. Hopefully we'll hold on to a division win. What's going on with you this week, Ruben? Not much. I was watching those games. Those games were so much fun to watch. Um, and I actually am planning on going to the second Subway Series this coming August at Yankee Stadium. So going into Ooh. hostile territory. Oh, enjoy that. Enjoy that. No guests today on the show. Today, we're going to do a short one here. I'll uh, do a little bit of strategy and our waiver wire picks and injury report and whatnot. So let's just jump right into it. And, you know, since, you know, you are the injury guru, uh, the question for you today is uh, injury returnees. And what I mean by that is players who come back from injury. The question is, how fast do you get them back into your lineup? Is it right away? Is it do you wait a little bit? And it might differ hitters and pitchers. Like, for example, Yasmani Grandal came back. He was struggling before uh, before he was uh, injured. He came back, and he's doing fantastic this week. And then you have Brian Reynolds, who was really hot before he got injured, and he's back, and he's 0 for 8 in his first two games. Um, you know, you got Jacob DeGrum, we know, coming back next week. Do you start him? Is it pitchers do you usually wait a little bit other than above some kind of ace level what do you do with hitters so let's just talk a little bit about that uh let's, let's talk uh, hitters first what do you do with with hitters who come back right away does it depend on injury what do you say i think it's depend on injury i think it's also depend on the actual player themselves you mentioned yasmani grandal he wasn't really performing that well to begin with when he got injured, but he's a catcher, and catchers get beat up during the course of the season. So that time off, that time he was able to rest, he was able to recharge his batteries, and possibly he's a good reason to start. Plus, if you had him in a two-catcher league, you'd probably start him right away anyway because the options you have out there right now are not that great to begin with, so you're probably going to start him anyway. But when it comes to a guy like Brian Reynolds, I think you do have to give a little leeway. Um, it also helps if, there's, if their leagues, if their games start on Tuesday and the lineups lock on Monday, so that's not actually a bad thing sometimes and i i think for the for the hitters it's just a matter of what kind of injury they had how quickly they're coming back if they're trying to come back in the early part of their recovery phase or coming back later taking time a little taking a little bit more time making sure they're fully healthy i think it depends on how the manager is going to use them because we we know uh, when ronald acuna came back he, st he started the season slowly very 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 slowly and that's because it was planned like that if you know that there's going to be a plan that he's going to play every other day to start with i think you should set sit them and just wait it out and see how things work out what about you yeah, so I mean, there's no one answer fits all. Obviously, each it is case by case basis, but you know, we're just gonna throw out ideas and 
you know, to help you decide what to do. Uh, I think innings and well, we're talking batters. Here. I think plate appearances and at bats are important. If you know the player is going to be out uh, for a considerable time, maybe back playing every other day. That is a big reason to just wait it out. Uh, you know, catchers now, of course, don't play every day anyway, so catchers you can more likely play right away. It it matters what when in the week they come back. If if a player is coming back on a Thursday and your lineup locked on a Monday, I'm almost always going to just sit him anyways. I mean, if if it's Mike Trout or somebody in the top round, you know, uh, Jose Ramirez, maybe I mean, maybe your your four games of Jose Ramirez is better than six games of. You know somebody else at the bottom, but generally speaking, if I know the player is going to miss half a week or more, I'm usually going to sit right away. Uh, that that's one principle to really go by. Um, it's always, of course, above a certain threshold. You know, if it's a top five round, seven round player for hitters, usually it's right away, right back into the lineup. Uh, especially if the player was doing well before, I kind of like that. Although, uh, you know, you you never know what kind of it, it, it's injury dependent, obviously. So so what about like a player like Fernando Tatis when he comes back? Would if you would you start him right away? I don't see why not. There's no reason yes. why you wouldn't start him right away. Absolutely. I mean, guys at the top, you know, you're starting right away as a hitter if you know that they're going to play most of the week. Uh, pitchers is different. Pitchers, I tend to really err on the side of not playing right away because first of all, pitchers who come starting pitchers who come back, they don't always go many many pitches, I and mean, they may, may be held at 75 pitches. 90 pitches, something like that, they may not be able to get out of the fourth. And you're not going to get a win either way. So for most pitchers, generally the answer is I wait till they pitch a start. Um, DeGrom might be an exception because his four innings or whatever it is is probably better than anybody else's, uh, you know, better than a middle reliever anyways or just as good. He actually is going to be two starts or is lining up as the way I see it. So you'll get a lot more than four innings this comeback. But in general, I, I would wait I would wait for, for pitchers. You just have to see the inning build up. You don't want to throw out any pitchers. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a defensive thing. You don't want to have a pitcher go out and crash your ERA, and they could be rough getting the rust out the first start. I generally would wait longer on pitchers than hitters. You, you agree? I completely agree, and especially there are a couple of pitchers who are going to be coming back from injury, like Glenn McCullers, Dustin May. You don't know if they're going to be—they should be. They should be on pitch counts when they come back. If they're on pitch counts, that means they're going to be limited. I mean, look look at Jacob deGrom's last rehab start. He was at 59 pitches after three innings. I mean, if a, if a pitcher coming back from a Tommy John surgery and they're slowly trying to ease the pitcher back, he's not going to get much playing time. He's not going to he's going to be taken out early. He's not going to be eligible for a win unless you have a Jacob Degrom type who's coming back. Then that's that's you know that's something to consider and that's something to put in this, into the um, into your roster right away. A pitcher also like Chris Sale when he first came back. People put him into the wrong lineup right away. This is something you just set it and forget it and don't worry about it because those are top-tier guys. But when it comes to the middle tier or even the lower tier, there's no reason to risk it. If you've been playing without them for a couple weeks, you can play without them for another week or two. You have to see how they do when they first come back. And the only thing I'll add to that is, again, the risk argument of if it's the middle of the season, towards the end of the season here, you're not doing well, you're in eighth place. Why wouldn't you? You know, if you have a pitcher that has a pedigree, even if it's a mid-round pitcher, you know, you might want to say, listen, as long as I know that he's going to have the pitch count and pitch the five innings to get the win, good team, I think you might have to pitch it, right? If, if, if you're in first place and you don't want to damage your raise, 
you're going to be a lot more cautious. If you're playing from behind and playing catch-up, you risk it. So what? I'm in eighth place. <laughs> so so what if this guy only pitches four innings? So what if he blows up? You know, sink down, right? You you could only go up. Oh, what if he throws a uh, five innings, no runs, and and gets a gets a win? You the risk factor matters, and it matters what place you're in for all these decisions. If you're in a vacuum, your first start of the season, then you play by you know different rules. But when you're playing from behind versus, and if you're playing from above, right? You, that comes into play when making these decisions. It also is categorical, right? If you absolutely need the strikeouts, you you know you might want to want want might want to have a two star pitcher who first coming back. Sure, I'll take the strikeouts because I just need it. It matters the category, it matters the placement. So it's hard to just talk about players in a vacuum. It really is context dependent. Yeah, it, it it totally is, and it also depends on where you are in the standings. If, like you said, if they got nothing to lose, put them out there. Especially if you've been keeping these pitchers or or these hitters on your roster, and you have a short bench, and you've been keeping them on your bench. If you're keeping them on the bench and you're playing, uh, you know, waiver wire guys, there's no reason why you shouldn't just throw these guys in right away. Because why have you been holding on to them for so long? Yep. Well, uh, before we go into our waiver wire, it's time for the injury gurus trivia of the week. <laughs> Ruben, this is uh, usually you ask uh, trivia here, but uh, you said no trivia tonight, so I thought I'd, I'd jump in and ask you some trivia here. Oh, uh, turning the table. I was wondering what that music was. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought we'd have some fun, uh, a little bit of entertainment here. So uh, uh, I got what the top 20 grossing baseball movies of all time. This is as of uh, April. Uh, top 20 grossing movies. This is every... every picture that has grossed at least 21.8 million dollars let's see how many pictures and many movies you can get on the top 20 list all right this this i should be able to get a couple here because i actually heard bob costas talking about this stuff on the radio just this afternoon so let's see if i can name a couple let's start with bull durham bull durham is on the list at number eight let's go with field of dreams my favorite Field of Dreams is on there at number five. Let's go with Major League. Major League is number 10 at almost 50 million gross. I'm going to go with Major League 2. Is that on there? Just made the cut at number 19. Yes, Major League 2. So far, you're perfect. What about League of Their Own? League of Their Own is the top grossing movie of all time, $107.5 million. Hmm. Okay. What about this? is This is going to be a tricky one. I don't know if you heard of this one, but Eight Man Out. Uh, that's about the whites. <laughs> that's about the Black Sox scandal, and it was it was a really good movie. I'm sure it was a good movie, but uh, I don't know if anybody no. else saw it. So uh, that's a no. strike on that. There okay. Is no, what about uh, The Natural? Yes, The Natural is on the list. Natural coming in at number eleven. Robert Redford movie. Okay, what about, I, I mean, I saw this movie when I was a kid, Angels in the Outfield? Yeah, Angels in the Outfield is on, I remember seeing it, uh, 1994 film. Uh, number nine, Angels in the Outfield. I, I love that movie, I really do. What about? Da, 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 right. 
Yeah, what about oh, th- what about the movie with the kid? I forgot the name of the movie with the kid from the Chicago Cubs with the arm <laughs> thing. I, I when all I remember is Ken Griffey Jr. striking out or and hitting a home run. That's all I remember. Uh huh. You mean Rookie of the Year? <laughs> rookie of the Year, yes. <laughs> yeah, with the kid from uh, American Pie, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, uh, number seven, Rookie of the Year, Garden Hoser. <laughs> I think those are the top ones off the top of my head. I can't think of any other. You only got one strike, so keep going. Keep going. Um, any other baseball movies? I can't really think of any others. I mean, those are the ones I usually have just watching over and over again. I really don't watch any other. I don't recall. All right. Well, I'll give you some hints here. Uh, how about um, how about as a kid watching a, a, a classic movie that you probably watched as a kid? Goonies? But that's not a baseball movie. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, same, same kind of uh, movie, yeah, though. Same type of movie. I have no idea. The Sandlot. Of course, Sandlot. I love number that eight, movie. Actually, it was, I lo- I, how can I not remember that? I, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a classic. Number two is uh, 42, a movie about uh, Jackie Robinson. Jackie that, Robinson. That grossed $95 million, actually. Oh, what about Moneyball? Moneyball's number three. There you go. Okay. Uh, better book. Th- by the way, Moneyball, I thought the book was even better, and my favorite scene in the book of Moneyball is the draft and, and where they're waiting. Oh, he's not going to take that guy. He's not going to take Swisher. Not going to take him. Ah, he got Swisher. I got him. I thought that would be in the movie. I thought that was the best scene in the book, and it wasn't. So, uh, you know, the, the book was better. Okay. Um, let's do um, – bum, 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 bum. what about – how about a Red Sox movie? What about Fever Pitch? Fever Pitch, number 12. Great one. Now that was that was a good movie. I I am not a Red Sox fan, but that was well done. I saw that in the theater. I don't, I'm not sure why I saw I saw that in the theater. Um. Oh, what about Little Big League? Little Big League is not on the list. Eh, uh, sorry, two strikes on you. Two strikes. Um. All right. Since I'm mentioning all the movies I don't <laughs> love so much. Oh, what about the rookie? The rookie number four, rookie. Dennis Quaid. And the movie I was thinking about was The Benchwarmers. Benchwarmers, yes, that's on there. Number six. God, that was It's a, a Rob movie. Schneider movie, right? Yeah, that, that, was, that was such a bad movie. I don't, I'm not sure why I even So you've got it. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight with Bull Durham. Uh, nine is Angels in the Outfield. Major League, you got the natural fever pitch. We got 12 of them. Number 13 still out there. I, I I'm I'm done with that. I don't I can't think of any others. All right, I'll go through the rest. Uh, Hardball uh, with Keanu Reeves coming in there. Million Dollar Arm uh, is on there at fourteen. Trouble with the Curve with Clint Eastwood and Amy Adams, number fifteen. For the love of the game, Kevin Costner shows up twice here. How about the Bad News Bears, Billy Bob Thornton movie? Uh, and the only other one we didn't get was Bernie Mac playing. Mr. 3000. Mr. 3000. So there you go. Top 20 baseball movies. A little bit of uh, entertainment here on the Beat the Shift podcast. Well, I, I'm, I'm very glad I didn't watch like the last ladder of that <laughs> list there because they didn't really do that well and they weren't that well recepted. Yeah. I mean, not all these are, are great movies. They're just uh, up there on the uh, on the list of uh, most watched. So uh, highest grossing movies. All right. Great job with that one. Up to waiver wire. Go for it, Ruben. All right, we'll start with the easy guys. I think for me they're easy. Um, Victor Robles. Victor Robles is a stolen base guy. He's playing for Washington. He's only 10% owned in CBS. In the last week, he's got a 292 average, a homer, and two stolen bases. 
But the main thing is the manager has said that he will bat leadoff, which is a lot better than batting ninth. Even if they trade away Juan Soto, even if they trade away Josh Bell, batting leadoff in any lineup is something not to sneeze at. And especially if he's a stolen base guy, his stolen bases may go up. Nelson Velazquez of the Cubs. We actually saw him in the Arizona Fall League this past year. Uh, we actually At the game I was at, he actually threw a guy out at home plate from center no. field. He's got a rocket for an arm. Did not He did not throw him out, but it was so close. Like It, it was all the way back oh, at the oh, wall. In my mind, he threw him out because that, yeah, he, yeah. he threw it from close to the warning track and almost threw a guy out on a sacrifice fly. Yeah, the, the, really the whole good. crowd cheered so much. Like It, it, it was an incredible throw. He, he actually didn't get him, but it was a great throw. It, yeah. it, was, it was very close then. Um, he, in the last week, he's raised his batting average from 217 to 243. In one week, he's got three homers, two stolen bases, and uh, and on the year he's got a total of five stolen bases. He's only four percent owned in CBS. He may see more time in the outfield on the way uh, toward the, down the stretch because if the Cubs trade away more players like an Ian Happ, he will definitely get more playing time. Bobby Dalback, first base, Red Sox, only fourteen percent owned in CBS. Last year, the last fifty-eight games of the season, he batted two sixty-nine with fifteen home runs. That sounds like he may be a second-half player, and especially if the Red Sox start trading away some players, he may get much more consistent playing time, not being a platoon, and as long as they get rid of those yellow jerseys, I think he'll do just well. Joey Wendell, only owned in 20% of CBS. He's eligible all over the infield except for first base. In the last week, he's batting 370 with two stolen bases, and he's going to get more playing time with Brian Anderson and Garrett Cooper out. And with other players who may get traded, he may get traded as well. So if he gets put into a, another team that's in a playoff run, he may get a lot of runs down the stretch. He's a solid backup to have on your team, and he's available in almost 80% of leagues. Yeah, Wendell batting leadoff uh, recently. Uh, I like your waiver wire picks very much. Those are good. Uh, there's some good deep ones there as well. Uh, so keep it up. Uh, I'll add in uh, J.G. Bleday. Uh, we also saw him out in Arizona. He had a homer this past week. He's a really top prospect for the Marlins. Um, 20, only 20% on, on CBS. If you need to catch fire, maybe he's the guy. In your two catcher leagues, I mentioned him before in the podcast, Carson Kelly. His overall numbers for the year look terrible, but his recent numbers look great. He's really, really streaky. I don't know what he had earlier in the year, but he looks back to his old self. Uh, Carson Kelly for two catcher leagues. And for one catcher leagues, Yasmani Grandal, I mean, he's not universally owned. That means that a bunch of people have dropped him for shallower leagues or for, I mean, if you're in a one-catcher league, you might even consider picking him up. And we all drafted him as a top-five catcher, let's say. Um, he's back there. I'll mention another guy who's soon to be back, Gene Segura. Um, fantastic player. If at all you can stash him, you're not going to stash him for very long. He's going to be probably expensive in the waiver wire now. He'll be ridiculously expensive if he's available afterwards. Get him while he's there. I'll mention two other players. One is Kyle Finnegan. I mentioned him last week. Why is he not 25? He's only 25% owned. Apparently, those guys on CBS don't listen to this show. He had two saves this week. If you're in a deep league that needs saves and Kyle Finnegan is owned, I know it's the Washington Nationals, but he's the primary guy. He has to be owned. Uh, so you got to scoop him up. And how about our old guy, another old favorite of ours, we were very high on him before the season. He was terrible so far. Heimer Condelario, eight hits in his last three games with two homers and eight RBIs, only 25% owned. He's a guy that might even help you in 12-team leagues, I think, at the corner infield spot. Uh, 
take a look. Take a look for Candelario. It's the summer now heating up. He's heating up. Uh, I, I would give him a big consideration. Now, you mentioned Yasmani Grandal. We actually dropped him in our NFBC league when we picked up Salvador Perez. If you watched the Jacob deGrom um, um, uh, rehab game, who was he pitching against? He was pitching against Salvador Perez. He's already started a rehab assignment. So if for some reason someone dropped him because they didn't have because it was a roster crunch, I think usually this is the time to pick him up. You still maybe get him pretty cheap, and he's not going to be available. He's not going to be actually playing in the majors for another couple of weeks. But if he's already rehabbing, that's a very good sign, and you maybe get a good get a good bargain on him on the waiver wire. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's go to the pitcher preview. Ruvain, who do you got to pick up this weekend? Of course. We're getting close to August here, so two-star pitchers are definitely a consideration, and future two-star pitchers are also a consideration as well. Yes, and I don't really love the two-star pitchers that are out there this week, but I'm going to pick three guys who should be future two-star pitchers. First guy I'm going to mention, I think we mentioned him in the past, was Justin Steele. He's 22% owned in CBS. He's got one start this week. It's against St. Louis, against Miles Michaelis. But next week, he's a future two-start. I mean, the week after that. He's got 14 strikeouts in his last 17 innings with a 2.55 ERA. So even though he may not get you some wins because the Cubs are not going to be that great because they're going to trade away a lot of their guys, he's still racking up some strikeouts, almost, almost a strikeout inning recently, and he's got a pretty good ERA. So if you want to throw someone in there and pick someone up now for two starts for next week, by all means, he's only 22% on CBS. Another guy I want to mention, even though we mentioned him, we mentioned these guys a couple weeks ago about not picking up Colorado pick pitchers, Herman Marquez, his last three starts were against teams where he actually pitched very well. 19 and two-thirds innings, 2.29 ERA, 0.97 whip. 14 strikeouts. Now, he's supposed to pitch against the Dodgers this Sunday, but next week he's pitching against Arizona, which is a good matchup for him. So it's not that it's always good to get the Colorado pitchers when they're out of, out of Colorado. This is at Arizona. I like that pick. I like that pick right there. And another guy really, really, really deep is only 2% owned in CBS. Why? Because he only picked up his first major league win this week, and that's Jansen Junk from the Los Angeles Angels. He has he had one start next week, this coming week, and two starts the following week. His one start next week is against the Royals. Um, he had he pitched five innings with eight strikeouts in his first start this year. He's someone, if you really, really want to try someone and you got nothing to lose, your ERA and whip are shot, are shot and you want to try to get wins, you want to try to get some strikeouts, it's very possible. He he, he looks good for uh, for this coming week, especially because you can get him for almost nothing, and he can be two-star possibly for the week after. Yeah, what a great name, Junk, for a pitcher. And we had a Cutter Crawford throwing the Cutter, spelled with a K, of course. Uh, well, what, if, what if Cutter pitched against Junk? I guess, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, there's been funny uh, baseball matchups before, of course. Uh, all right, a couple people. Well, by the way, if you if you have n- n- no desire to hold your ERA, you know, you get Sanditella, who's at San Diego and at Arizona. What the hell? Uh, I don't recommend him. But again, if you're in a position, if you're in a points league, or if you're in a position where the ERA doesn't matter and you might get a win, that's not a bad choice. Uh, I'm going to talk about Braxton Garrett. Uh, I did mention him last week. He, uh, or actually, DVR mentioned him last week, uh, and I said that was my guy as well. He's pitched. He did not have a fantastic outing against Cincinnati this past week. Five earned runs and five innings pitched, but he did get eight strikeouts. Again, these pitchers who throw high strikeouts, even if they throw garbage 
you're gonna still gonna get the strikeout, so you're still getting the counting stats out of it. Uh, he throws, you know, over K in inning. He's uh, two start this week: Cincinnati and Chicago Cubs, and we'll see what you know shape they're in after they they uh, have traded away everybody or not. Who knows? Uh, so I recommend him. Miami is struggling, but you know they gotta be better than this. How about Jose Quintana? He remains hot. He's playing Milwaukee this week, and then he's a future two-star pitcher at Arizona, at San Francisco. I actually like Jose Quintana um, for this year. He's been very quiet, very sneakily excellent for the Pirates. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, uh, again, this is not a ERA play. He's been pitching okay as of late, but he has the Yankees at uh, away. Then he's against uh, L.A. The following he's at Texas, so you get a couple of good starts out there. The Yankee one is tough. But, again, you know, if you need wins, Marco Gonzalez goes deep into games. He might not have a fantastic ERA, but bigger chance for wins. And with the two starts, he will get an ample number of strikeouts. The other guy I'm going to mention is JT Brubaker. I am always searching the waiver wire, and one of the things I sort on is strikeouts, recent strikeouts, and Brubaker comes up on the waiver wire all the time in almost every format. That's because he's throwing strikeouts. This week, he's throwing against Baltimore, at Baltimore. The following week, he's at Arizona. Those are two good starts in a row. I think you might get some good strikeouts out of it, and you never know. This guy might have a chance to win some games. I think it's two decent outings and two decent weeks. Rather than throwing, a mi- I'd rather throw him than a middle reliever in deeper formats. But you also have to remember, if he's on your waiver wire for all these weeks, there's a reason why he's still on the waiver wire all these weeks. So just take these names that we're mentioning, the deeper names, with a grain of salt because they can really destroy your ERA and whip. And you mentioned Jose Quintana. He will probably, I think he'll be traded. I, there's a very good chance he's going to get traded. So if he's, if he's supposed to be two-start this week, it's very possible he may end up not being two-start. So just watch the trades and see how things go down because that may happen. Yep. Brubaker, if you go back... Uh, I'm going to go back all the way to June the 9th. He's only had one game where he hasn't thrown le- three or less earned runs. And he's struck at at least five and usually even more than that in every single game. This is from the beginning of June. So he's not hurting you. And in that span, he only, I mean, the Pirates aren't great. He only has two wins. But he's going basically six innings every single game. Um I, I think you'd be pleasant, pleasantly surprised pitching with Ari, with uh, his matchups, Arizona and Baltimore. All righty. Time for injuries, Ruvain. Go for it. All right. We'll start with the big one, and that's the Mike Trout injury. Trout is on the IL with a rib injury, and they called it, or it was diagnosed, actually, as a rare back condition called costovertebral dysfunction. It's what the hell somewhat- is that? It's somewhat related to rib cage information inflammation. It's basically that there's some some kind of abnormality going on in the rib cage, um, and he received a cortisone shot for it. But there's no timeline for his return. The worry was that right away, the athletic trainer came out and said it's a rare condition. It's um, and he was sent to see a spinal surgeon, and they were worried that he will have to play with this the rest of his life, and it could possibly quote unquote have an issue for the rest of his career. Trout himself came out and said, no, that's not necessarily the case. Don't blow it out of proportion. The main thing you have to know is that I'm trying to come back this year and it shouldn't affect me in the future. However, if you have him now, what do you do with him? Do you keep him? Do you hold on to him? What does that do? What does this do to his value for being drafted next year? 
And 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 what do you do in a dynasty league with with a guy like that who has uh, could be a condition if, that he has to play with the rest of his career? Like, I mean, does that drop him like three rounds in dynasty? It it may, but I mean, the same thing happened with um, Clayton Kershaw a couple of years ago when he had the herniated disc in his back. He came back and he's and he's doing perfectly fine. So a lot of these injuries. People, players can actually come back and they can train themselves to play correctly, play through it, and still play up to a high level. So it's very possible. If you're in Dynasty, I mean, it's it's going to be hard to trade him right away because you're not getting any production right now. But, you know, theoretically, I mean, trading him obviously unloads risk now because whatever, wherever you are, you're taking on the risk that he doesn't play. Um I mean, is it a good idea to unload risk? I mean, how how can you in a dynasty format in a redraft? What are you going to do now? I mean, who's going to well, you're going to trade him for what? You're not going you're not going to get that much for for him. And if you trade him in dynasty league, you're not you're trading him at the low point of his value, not the high point. So you know you're supposed to trade when they're high, not when they're low. So this is just mainly for dynasty leagues. I guess this is a hold. You can't do anything else with that. You're not going to drop him, but I think it's a hold. Right. Next right. player. Fernando Tatis, he just started taking batting practice the first time since he injured his wrist. And barring any setbacks, Tatis could face live pitching a couple of times this coming week and then head out onto a rehab assignment, finally, which this means that he will probably be back sometime mid-August, mid to late August. That's what I'm thinking. And if you drafted him in March or February or earlier, this is just the worst-case scenario. He's basically gonna, only going to give you six weeks of, of possible productivity, which is just—it's—it's. Uh, it's, I don't—I don't know what you do with him. I just hope that he stays healthy and and he he helps you push toward the toward the playoffs if you're still vying for the playoff spot. Yeah, Bron. Brian Anderson, he was placed on the IL. I mentioned about a sprain. He had a sprained left shoulder, and MRI was performed, revealing just the sprain. He was on the IL twice last year with the same, with an injury to the same shoulder. We don't know how bad it's going to be. I mentioned Joey Wendell in the waiver wire. He's going to take some time there at third base. Luke Williams will also see an increased role at the time as well. Adam Duval was placed on the aisle with an injured left wrist. He had a torn tendon sheath. He, had, he was supposed to undergo surgery. He's done for the year. Eddie Rosario will probably benefit the most and see the most outfield time for the Braves. Too bad on Duval. I think you and I picked him up in a bunch of leagues. Yeah, before we the injury, like, of course. We picked him up a couple of weeks ago, and then all of a sudden this yeah. happened. You, can, you know, you can't yeah. predict these types of things. Luis Robert, he has a head injury. Manager Tony Russo said he's still dealing with some lightheadedness and blurred vision. However, they just announced today that he's going to be going out on a rehab assignment very shortly, which means that he's hopefully getting over this. And he's another guy. He's very frustrating because he doesn't seem to be able to stay healthy. Um, if everything goes well, he could be back by the end of next week. So this is a guy we mentioned at the top of the show. If he's, if you think he's coming back toward the end of the week, there's no reason to start him right away, especially if you're in an NFPC-style league when you can activate him possibly on Friday. That's probably the way to go with him. Bryce Harper. He had surgery for his left thumb. He has still not been cleared to remove the pins from his surgically repaired thumb. That means he had a surgery where they stuck pins in it to make sure that it heals properly. He still has to take the pins off and then go through rehab before he can be activated, which means he's still a couple of weeks away from being activated. If he's able to get the pins out and they're going to reevaluate him next week, if he's able to do that, then hopefully he will be back probably toward the mid to end of August. I mean, Bryce Harper, he plays through pain. He's He's got that issue with the, with the elbow already. So you know he plays through pain. So hopefully he'll get back sooner rather than later. And especially, I hope he's back by September because the Phillies are playing the Braves a bunch in September. 
Giancarlo Stanton was placed on the aisle with left Achilles tendonitis. It was said that he's supposed to be out for at least two to three weeks. Yankees right away, what did they do? They went out and they got Andrew Benatendi, so he'll fill up, you know, he'll get some more time. Although we did see Matt Carpenter in the outfield. He's not an outfielder, but he did see some time in the outfield. Anything I still not think... to play, uh, and not to play Gallo. I mean, that guy Well, is... yeah, I, I th- it's very possible they may just DFA him because no one, no one, who's who's going to trade for Joey Gallo? He's not, he hasn't, I know most fantasy players aren't playing him anymore. So how can, I mean, you shouldn't be playing him because he's batting a 160 and he's he's got a 50% strikeout rate. That, that doesn't I mean, play we, in uh, fantasy. We talked a couple of weeks ago that, you know, maybe if you're in a, in a situation where, you know, you're coming back and you, you need a boost and you're low down. Maybe you keep it at this point, like even in 15 team mixed league. I mean, is he a straight cut on a fantasy roster? I, I think we, we cut him about a month and a half ago. You yeah. know, we, we had him in yeah. NFBC and we just had enough about a month and a half ago. So, you know, and, and then the next week someone picked him up. So let someone else deal with that headache. That's all. Tyler Stevenson was placed on the aisle with a broken or fractured right clavicle, which he sustained when he was hit in the shoulder by a foul ball. There's no timetable right now, but usually that takes about four to six weeks to heal, so he's going to be out for a while. His backup, Aramis Garcia, was also placed on the aisle. So the two catchers right now in Cincinnati, let me see if I can pronounce these right, Michael Pepierski and Mark Kolovsvary. I don't. I probably botched those names really badly. But right now, Cincinnati doesn't have any other catchers. So, oh boy. I, I mean, Tyler Stevenson. He's so promising when he's out there. He really produces, but he's just been unable to stay healthy. Jacob Degrom. We mentioned him. He's got. He made his last rehab start. He's supposed to pitch on Tuesday. So this is a guy. If you've had him on your bench, like I know we have in a couple of leagues, there's no reason why you should not pitch him. He is possibly a number one starter he didn't pitch that one the last rehab start he did give up two home runs um but those are the only two hits that he gave up were those two home runs he did strike out he did strike out five over under three era for the rest of the season for jacob Degrom. i'm gonna say under because under three is what he always does even if he's healthy then there's no reason why i think he's not healthy because he said he's healthy there's no reason why it should be over three I, I think you're looking close to like a 2-8 ERA for Jacob DeGrom from here to the rest of the season. Yeah, what do you think? Projections are about 2-5 the rest of the way, which, by the way, his career ERA is 2-5. Okay, I'm going to say 2-8 for the rest of the way, which is still better than anything else out there in the waiver wire, so there's no reason why you shouldn't start him. Lance McCullers continues his recovery from his forearm injury. He made a rehab start at AAA this week. He continues to build up his workload. They said he may need two more rehab starts, and then he should be activated. The earliest he could return anyway is August 13th because he is on the 60-day IL, so he should return around that time. He's a guy also, if you want to start him right away, that's fine, but he may be on a limit. They may slow. They may bring him up slowly because the Astros don't have to rush him back because they have a, they have a, they have a nice, comfortable league in their, lead in their division. So they don't have to rush him back. They have to be, have him ready for the playoffs. So it's not going to help us that much fantasy-wise. And I want to see also, and we should all keep track of his velocity in the next couple outings just to see how he's doing. Max Mayer. The top prospect for Miami was placed on the IL with damage and a tear in his UCL. He will have Tommy John surgery. He is, according to this is what Craig Mish said on Twitter today, 
that expect Max Mayer back in 2024 because he's wow. not going to have the surgery until mid to mid August, which means he's going to probably miss all of next year. And they'll probably want him back because he's so young. They'll probably say, just take the whole year and come back in 2024. So that is devastating. For that's Miami. a big, big hit. He's a top prospect, very big guy in, in dynasty leagues. You just got to hold on to him and hope he comes back to the way he was before. Dustin May, who's also recovering actually from Tommy John's surgery from last year. He made one rehab start already. He's scheduled for a second one. He will need to build up to about five innings during his rehab before he'll be activated. He could make his debut for the Dodgers as a starter, possibly as a reliever, depending on what they're going to do. Because remember, their fifth starter made the all-star team. So Dustin May, he may be a long guy. He may be piggybacking, whatever he is still valuable if he's able to throw strikes and his velocity is up there. Expect him back around mid-August. I mean, if he's not starting games, you're not throwing him in fantasy right now, right? It, well, that's not true because they may have him as a second, as the next guy in, meaning they have an opener and have him do bulk innings, and they may have him do that. So he may still have some value there. Oh, he'll have value, yeah. But, I mean, like he, we talked about in the top of the show, right-away starter, right-away pitcher. No, no, no. And no I think he'll I, wait a little no, bit. No, no, no. I wouldn't put him in right away. Give, give him some time and see what his role is because we don't even know what yeah. his role is going to be. Definitely high-end pitcher, worth a pickup, especially if you're fighting for everything you can get here. Yes, and one last thing I want to mention is if you hear players now with any injuries like oblique or abdominal strains or anything like that, we're coming up to the first week in August. Usually recovery time for those types of injuries can range anywhere between five, to six, even seven weeks. So if you hear that and they're going on the aisle for that, those guys may be very close to drops because by the time they actually come back, they're going to have very little value. Yeah, you know, interesting, in uh, RT Sports on, on the, that platform, I believe if you cut somebody over a certain threshold, like a draftable person, if you cut them in the last month of the season, I think, they're not able to be picked up. So, uh, or, 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 or maybe it's guys who are on the waiver wire who were drafted and are, are not eligible. I think that's a great idea. because I love that rule. I love that yeah, rule. Yeah, I mean, because this way you don't have to fear about cutting a guy. And again, we're taking a decision out of your hands, whether to keep him or not, but... You know, you don't have to worry. Okay, you can safely cut the guy if you need the roster space. Don't worry about it. Uh, if you're in a limited IL league, and because no one can pick him up because they're over a certain threshold, so you know that's it. You know, it. it you know, one thing is, well, I don't want to cut him because I won't get the value at the end. But also, you might somebody might pick him up and play him. You don't have to worry about that side of the equation. It makes it so much easier to just drop. And you know, if they come back, they come back. Whatever, nobody can pay, take them. That's true, but also these guys, even in a league where they, they don't have that, you need some value out of those out of these position spots. If they're going to just take up a spot on your roster and they're just going to sit and sit and sit, at this point in the season with only two months left in the season and you're trying to make a push, those guys aren't helping you on their bench, on, the, on your bench. So you're be sometimes you're just better off filling a need and, and hopefully picking up the next guy who's going to be hot. All right, well, that's uh, the story for this show. Um, hope you enjoyed it. It was... Uh... A little bit shorter than usual, but uh, we went over a bunch of players that you should consider, uh, trying to give you pointed, direct advice. And, of course, we did our strategy talk at the beginning to get you thinking about what you should be doing. Ruben, can you tell everybody where we can uh, see your stuff? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I tweet out injury updates as they come. I also have a weekly article on Rotoballer discussing all these injuries that I mentioned on the show, as well as a bunch of others. And I'm Ariel Cohen. You can read my work over at Fangraphs and at Rotoballer. My Twitter handle is ATCNY. 
Of course, you can listen to me right here on the Beat the Shift podcast each and every week. And I am told that on Fangraphs, should be any day now, the ATC rest of season projections will be available. You'll see that soon, and hopefully that'll be very, very helpful uh, as you go down the stretch. And, of course, you'll be able to use the auction calculator so you can get rankings, player comparisons, and all that as you manage the rest of the season from here on out. All right. Well, again, thanks so much for listening to the show from Ruvain and I over here at the Beat the Shift podcast. We will see you next time, and enjoy the trade deadline. That should be an interesting one. We'll uh, recap it afterwards. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at beat underscore shift underscore pod.